Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Yes, very welcome to uh, Food Pharmacy Podden. And uh, today it's going to be an interview in English with the uh, amazing Dr. Rebecca. Uh, just so you are prepared that it's going to be in English, as I just said. Yes. Um, and it's... Uh, go, please, how... Uh, all year, it's going to be great. This is Food Pharmacy Podden. Rebecca. Hi, thank you for having me here. Uh, thank you for coming. We're very happy to have you here today. Welcome to Food Pharmacy. Yeah, it's a lovely place you have here. Mm-hmm. Without mm-hmm. no furniture at the <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah. Very minimalistic. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> very it's, Scandinavian. It's not on purpose though, but uh, yeah, it's nice. Nice color on the walls, <laughs> at least. So uh, for uh, the majority of the listeners, you are known as Rebecca, our uh, doctor. I see. <laughs> yeah, but I think it would maybe be interesting to know a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, about you and uh, your profession. So maybe you could start to introduce yourself. Absolutely. So I have studied nutrition for many, many years. I would say almost 15 years now. Mm-hmm. So when I first started, I had no idea that nutrition was going to be this big. Mm-hmm. It was a coincidence. I fumbled about it. I was studying biology and I realized that human biology and medicine medicine was very interesting and and then I went down the line of studying nutrition and human biology and got my first degree in dietetics of University of Copenhagen and then I realized that I wanted to apply this to sort of a wider aspect Uh, so going into developing countries helping out a lot of malnourished children in Africa that I felt there was a need for so I went to um, London to work with Save the Children first in the head office So looking more at nutrition, like in emergencies, you know, when people are malnourished, what are the micronutrients they need and and how do we prevent these uh, situations? So then I studied my master's in um, tropical medicine and nutrition. So looking into sort of what are the nutritional needs that are very different from ours here in the developing countries. And I went to Africa for a couple of years after that and set up different programs in a university hospital, teaching the doctors and the nurses. So just to give an example, intravenous nutrition. So when you have a child who's very sick or even an adult and they cannot eat because of a operation in the stomach or intestine, any, anywhere in the digestive system, we need to feed them intravenously. And this did not exist in currently in, in Africa. So I developed this protocol and and set it up with the doctors, teaching them how to 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 give the nutrients to the child, not just water. And um, and after that, I went back to London, where I was for a few years after before that. And I continued working as a dietitian in a hospital there. So some of the main private hospitals I was working at. So mainly focused actually on like post-cancer treatment. So people who are very ill again in intensive care units, feeding them artificially. So it was much more like medicine-based. And then after about eight, seven years working there, I did my PhD at Imperial College where I was studying genetics and how much genes actually affect A, the way we eat and the way we absorb certain nutrients, but also how our body reacts to that. So if the cholesterol goes up, if we are more likely to have breast cancer, colon cancer, or any of these sort of lifestyle diseases that are associated with 
with lifestyle and genetics. So, so I was looking at how to we can modify these genes with specific nutrients, which is obviously most doctors are very uh, oriented about drugs, you know, and the pharmaceutical companies are very powerful in these industries. So for for diet to now take a role and take such a lead role in these um these research areas, but also I think in the general population is 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 just incredible to see, you know, and I definitely think we're going to see a lot more than that. So once I finished my PhD, that was about three years more there, I um, I went to Spain. I thought I needed a little bit of relaxation and we opened up a, a Swedish clinic down there called Executive Health, mm. where I was sort of specialized in um, doing these genetic testing. So testing patients, do they have these genetic mutations, you know, that are associated with these lifestyle? And if they do, what specific foods should you be eating based on your genes and based on your blood type? And that was what we are applying to the clients there. And now I'm coming to Stockholm once a month. And I've already seen about 50 clients so far. So uh, that's been very interesting. Yeah. So so that's sort of my, my educational background and work professional Mm. I, I have so many questions. I don't know where to start, but I was thinking about what you do is actually you pres- prescribe prescribe uh, food uh, to your patients. And uh, at least in Sweden, there has been a great skepticism towards food as preventive in healthcare. I think uh, it has changed a lot during the last few years but still there is uh, there is a huge skepticism so how how do you um, meet that in your everyday work i mean the patients are they reluctant when you prescribe different nutrition to them. Um, not at all. Actually, I would say the patients are the most open-minded mm. and they come to me as a, as a resource of not wanting to take these medications, not wanting to take statins for their cholesterol or, or metformin for their blood sugars or blood pressuring medication. And, and that is such a, such a lovely um, welcome, you know, when I see these patients, because it is very, I understand doctors and I understand why for them, it's difficult. Like A, they haven't studied nutrition. B, they don't have time to to go into this depth with their clients. They're very under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. time-wise. So for them, if they have a patient with high cholesterol, the easiest thing and quickest and effective from their point of view is to really prescribe statins. So a, a drug that will lower the cholesterol, having to go through like an hour, two hour sessions with what nutrients should you be having, what should you not be having, is just... I guess too demanding and they haven't had that background so I think that's where lots of the skepticism comes from but also we haven't had enough um, studies done so most of the studies so clinical studies that have been done are really with drugs because they are often led by the pharmaceutical companies Mm. they have a lot of money behind them and um, lots of governments are looking at treating quickly and as efficient as possible and obviously as I said getting someone to change their lifestyle and what I do is much more time consuming for for governments and for for national health um, departments so so that I think that's why naturally it's taking that lead towards medication whereas the other day just to give you an example I had a patient coming in he was on medication for his cholesterol medication for his blood pressure medication for his blood sugars and I looked at him and he was probably mid 40s and I said and he was already on medication you know for three different things. medications for something that you can treat with diet so I looked at him and I said have your doctor at any time told you that you need to change your diet and he said no hmm. and for me that was just a bit devastating you know I was like I understand the doctors don't have time and I don't want to criticize them but something so key as as that should really really happen you know they should just refer you know go see a dietitian uh, but I but I know that this happens in many aspects you know of they just forget or they're too busy I don't know why that happens but that's that's such a shame because that's missed you know and they he could have we could have prevented many of those things, I like to think. But I mean, now, as we know that the majority of the diseases today are lifestyle related and uh, still a very small percentage of the healthcare budget is uh, is focusing on preventive care. 
I think that um, this is something we need to highlight because, um, I mean, we need to include preventive care in the healthcare budget because otherwise uh, we will only need to uh, to uh, spend more and more and more money on prescribing uh, medicine mm. to uh, illnesses that could have been prevented in the first case for less uh, money absolutely <laughs> you know so so it's uh, because the money belongs to the taxpayer mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. in yes. a sort mm -hmm. of a way and mm -hmm. uh, and with people living longer getting uh, more and more diseases, needing more uh, drugs. It will be, you know, today, at least in Sweden, we have a healthcare system that is uh, really uh, uh, struggling yeah. because there is uh, not enough money to support everyone that needs treatment for illness. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, now we're, we're going into a little bit more of a political conversation, which yeah. I'm always... I, uh, I always do you that, know, I'm and, sorry. And <laughs> I, I have obviously a strong opinion about that as well, and, and everyone is entitled to have their opinion, but I do believe that you're absolutely right. We're looking at the numbers alone. We had, just to give you an example, a couple of days ago, where I think the BBC News came out with a big news um, statement saying that we should only have red meat once a week now. And I was surprised, all of us who studied in the field knew this, but I was surprised that that came from a governmental organization saying that, stating that. Because we always know that the meat industry, the lobbying are very strong, they're very powerful, and they contribute to a lot of the, the money in the, in the, on the national level. So now they're actually seeing the consequences, the, the economical consequences of treating colon cancer, heart attack, all these other lifestyle diseases are surpassing the money they are possibly getting from the meat industry because of treating it is so expensive on a national budget. So it had to almost take that for now these statements to come out. We should not be having red meat in our diet in the quantities that we have. Mm. So for me, I was very positive to hear that statement. And the next one is obviously possibly going to be WHO, the World Health Organization, coming out with that. So these are the really big um, international government for for dietary guidelines. Mm. And, and that's the first step. And then hopefully... Uh, the smaller organizations like the the local GPs, so general practitioners, the doctors are going to start actually realizing, okay, this is coming from the government. We should be saying this to our patients. Yes, because I mean, if if uh, if uh, doctors don't read about nutrition in their education, something needs to be done on the political level in order to restrict. Because at least in Sweden, when you read about um, different diets, it's very common that experts says that, but you don't need to, uh, you don't need to do anything. It's just to eat like ordinary. But the thing is that when people eat like ordinary in Sweden, they have four times too much meat. They have um, many times too much of sugar. So actually what these experts do is that they send out to, uh, to the majority of the people that you don't need to change your eating habits because uh, it's just to eat like every day. Uh, but, uh, and I was, um, uh, the problem is that we are not eating according to the recommendations. And this is what I mean. Something needs to be done on a political level to, uh, to enhance mm. or that people change their eating mm. habits. Mm. I mean, I out of the, the 50 clients I've seen so far in Stockholm over the next last three months, I would say 75% of them had a lifestyle disease um, that was close to having to take medication. Mm -hmm. And they, were, yeah, and they were unaware of it, mm. uh, which is the most shocking thing, till I test, we tested them in the clinic, executive health in there. And um, all except one did we manage to get their level in two months. So we put them on an intervention diet and all except one did we manage to get their levels down to perfect. So this is looking at cholesterol, glucose, uh, blood pressure. In only two months. In only two months. So this we need news. to write about, I yeah. think. Mm. And I, I'm curious, uh, let's go back to that 45-year-old mm. man. Mm. Was he one of them? He was. Okay. Was he motivated to skip his drugs? Did he skip his drugs? So he, we, we're still working with him mm. um, because on some 
sometimes it's not too late that you we capture these levels, but once when they're very high. And what happens, let's take cholesterol, for example. Mm. If you go around with high cholesterol in your body for, for a long time, uh, your arteries change. So they got they start getting built up of these fats in, in their arteries. And that means we need to get rid of some of that built up. So the blood can flow easily. So the heart is not under pressure and the blood pressure normalize again. So sometimes we do need like like a booster from the medication. So in worst case, you're stuck with your medication. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's why it's all about prevention. When it goes prevention. too far, you mean? Yeah, yep. when it goes too far. Wow. That's why it's all about prevention. And what I use of in my clinic, which doesn't actually exist here in Sweden, even some of the doctors at the clinic were surprised to hear this term, pre-diabetic, pre-hypertension, pre high cholesterol. So these are levels that we know from research. Uh, I'm working on a big study currently with Imperial International Study called DIRECT, where we're looking at these pre-stages, that they are the most important uh, stage to to capture and to treat with diet, mm. because that is by reversing what something would be happening in the next couple of months of converting into diabetes or high blood pressure, which then are more difficult to treat. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lina, but pre-diabetes in Sweden is very common. It's one out of five, yes? Uh, yeah, it. one yeah. out of five adults exactly. uh, suffers from, um, from metabolic syndrome. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But uh, w w without even knowing about it, you know. But I was thinking about also um, when you say this, that uh, it's very important to... Uh, to uh, capture this during the pre-phase. We've read that uh, the DNA test, the genetic test, will actually, uh, talking about the healthcare system, it will, uh, or it can, revolution the preventive care in the healthcare system, if used in the right way. Absolutely. So th this, I, I obviously have a, a huge passion for. That's what I did my PhD in, and, and it was actually metabolic syndrome. So I was looking at all the, the risk factors within the metabolic syndrome. And there was a study done in St. Mary's uh, Hospital in, in the UK where they tested toddlers. So when you have a baby, you go in and get their vaccine after about one year. And during this phase, they tested, genetic tested, thousands of babies for uh, for some of these genetic mutations associated with cholesterol. And they actually found out. So as a mom, I think a lot of people out there, a lot of women have been giving their baby after the breast milk. They're giving the puree with lots of butter and cream, as the doctor or midwife have told them. So the baby will, will grow and be healthy. But actually what we saw, certain babies should not be doing that. They should be having avocado mush. They should be having olive oils in those uh, purees, you know. So we know that the, gene the genes gets activated during that period, you know. So if we can deactivate them already at that stage and prevent millions of these diseases happening every year, I mean, that that is really the way to go. And I think we will see in the next five years genetic taking a huge um, turn up in the, in the national health. Mm. We, we have a word for that. Uh, it's called uh, eating epi-smart. Absolutely. <laughs> epigenetics. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the epigenetics. Och nu vill jag ta chansen att uppmärksamma vår fina samarbetspartner Kung Markatta. Så här är det. Att äta mindre kött är en viktig del i Food Pharmacies livsstil. Och om man tycker att det är svårt att veta hur man ska ersätta köttet så kommer här ett förslag. Tofu, mina damer och herrar. Kung Markattas tofu är en av Sveriges mest köpta och har ett högt proteininnehåll och suger lätt upp kryddor och marinader. Och vi brukar till exempel smula ner tofun till en färs som vi sedan mixar tillsammans med bland annat soltorkade tomater, tamari, valnötter och färsk basilika. Det blir supergott. Och för den som vill testa något mer färdigt har Kung Markatta också en marinerad tofu som är smarrigt smaksatt med en fräsch sojasås, vitlök och basilika. Den är helt perfekt i salladen eller på grillen. Och vi tycker ju såklart att det är särskilt bra att Kung Markattas tofu är ekologisk precis som hela deras sortiment och dessutom kravmärkt och rättvist certifierad via Fairtrade. 
Och den finns att köpa i alla välsorterade livsmedelsbutiker. Så tack Kung Markatta för den fantastiskt goda maten. Actually, we talked a few episodes ago about um, it was uh, one of the biggest uh, morning papers in Sweden listed mm -hmm. uh, future uh, jobs. Mm -hmm. And one of the 10 future jobs is uh, they listed to be DNA consultant. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, you think so? Absolutely. So when I first started this, obviously it was completely unheard of and I had to... I had to convince the doctors at the clinics that this is this is what we should be doing. This is prevention. This is capturing before a childhood, you know. And and they're like, yeah, there's always a lot of skepticism, but we don't know enough. So doctors always, if there's not enough research, we don't believe in it. Mm. And it's almost I was comparing the way we use genetic today and how we're going to use it in the future. So looking at cancer treatments, for example, how we're treating people now with chemotherapy, like obviously very heavy toxics and people get very, very sick from these treatments and how it's going to look in the future where we're going to actually use genetics. Uh, we're going to extract these uh, cells that we know are sort of the cancer fighter cells. Don't get me On, on the terms that I'm using, but just so, so the average listener can understand. And they're going to be injecting them, themselves with these cells, you know, that they, we know from these genetic studies. So genetics is definitely going to revolutionize the, the way we are practicing uh, both the, the, on a very small level and also governmental level in the next, I would predict, five years. I think we live in a very exciting um, time era right mm, now because uh, the technology in in every um, phase of our life is uh, is expanding. Rushing. So yeah, exactly. Mm. Absolutely. So, but in this field, I think it's uh, it's very promising. Mm. We we see it a lot in the U.S. You know, Far East China as well using genetic much more than we are in Europe. Mm. We're definitely a little bit behind on that area, but I, I think we're going to catch up. And how how come? Why are we? Why are we so be slow? Behind. <laughs> Why are we so slow? I honestly don't know. And, and, and I always criticize the Americans, you know, because for, for many other aspects that they're not, you know, as, as cultural as the Europeans, you know, and, as, and this and that. But when it really comes to this, I, I don't know if it's the, the way they're budgeting or if it's the way... Um, born skeptic yeah or they mm -hmm. just seem to With be a little skepticism. bit more um, advanced and, and, I, and I really don't know I mean because obviously studied in the UK and and looking at the academic side we are very advanced equally as advanced I would say if not more you know but for that to so what I'm doing now with my research when that comes out that's going to be five years from now so if there's something there that's delaying it and the American are much quicker at trying things out, I'm, I'm not sure, but it saddens me to see something that we've known for years in the academic world mm. doesn't actually apply to the real world till yes. much, much later. Mm. But I mean, it's always, the problem is always when, um, when uh, techniques uh, revolution the, the society, that there are always companies that are not as serious And I think that uh, when you read about these tests in the paper, there are a lot of all, also, again, experts that actually warn people to take these, these tests because uh, one common uh, issue is that um, it's very hard to, uh, to understand actually what you have tested. And there's very important for the patient to understand that the tests is only talking about probability since we don't today know everything about all genes uh, and different factors like this. And I think when I read that, that uh, a serious company like, uh, like the, the one you are uh, running, mm. they meet their patients before, they talk about exactly what 
will we do here? What will we test? Mm. These can be the results. And this is how I will uh, treat you afterwards. Yeah. And that is key. I mean, only taking the test. <laughs> but I would mean, be there something. are a lot of to- uh, I postal. Uh, you can go into a, a drugstore or uh, oh, you can tragic. even go into the internet yeah. and yeah. you just test it and you send it away yeah. by, uh, by post and then um, you get something back. <laughs> so I think it's. Uh, this is what people have heard of when mm. they when they hear about uh, genetical tests i would highly uh... imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branch's organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96% replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Advice not to ever buy a DNA test online as well. Mm -hmm. So knowing this, because I worked obviously in academia for many years, so I know how hard the quality check is. So we have a lot of what we call false negative and false positive in genetics. So that means we need to quality check it many, many times before we have the accuracy that that is the correct gene, that is the correct mutation. So these methods are very expensive. So the reason why this should only be due in a clinical settings by a lab that has been um, approved for these standards and, like you said, been given by a someone who is specialized and trained in genetics is yeah. is key it's i would compare to anything else like going getting a screen of uh, mri of your liver you know who reads the results that should be a radiologist you know yeah. it should not be yourself you know no. it's 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 crazy you know but i think very much people are nowadays everything is accessible to them online you know mm. um Everyone is Googling health stuff and um, self-diagnosing. And to a certain aspect, I think it's good to have a hunger for knowledge and and researching and being a a researcher yourself. I think it's it's good. But you should always know that these are people, professionals who've studied many, many years to know what they know. And that's the reason why that is so so if you're trying to diagnose yourself with an online test in in some of these areas that are a little bit more serious, I would always have it double checked by a, by a consultant. I, and I actually always say to my patients, if you ever had any genetic test done previously, bring them along and I'll read them for you. I'll interpret everything mm. for you. And I've had a lot, quite a few clients done that. So it's interesting mm. to see how they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> didn't know that. Oh, I understand. <laughs> But if we go from the theoretical uh, theoretical level to the more practical, I think it's interesting. Um, let's talk about this 45-year-old man mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. or woman, I don't mm-hmm. know. Let's say, for example, that uh, he had a high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of... Uh, or He had three... Uh, three he had issues. three risk factors. So yeah. he had high cholesterol, which yeah. we did manage to get down. And the blood sugars was definitely going down as well. The blood pressure was a little bit slower to react. Yeah. And, and this was reflecting as well in the genetic report that he had, you know. So we knew sort of these were the key areas. Mm. And he had the very highest in the, in the blood pressure. So certain genetic mutations are very dominant and they are what we call homeozygous as well so that means if you have an error in both sides of that gene Mm. it's a much more dominant gene so much more difficult to get stubborn Mm -hmm. to get down so once you activate them they're very very difficult to sort of modify deactivate them again 
Oh. So because what you do, I think it's not uh, not everyone understands mm. this. What you do is that you test a few genes uh, and these genes are uh, involved often in cardiovascular diseases. Mm -hmm. And then you see if you have a vulnerability uh, within these uh, specific genes, mm -hmm. but also you test the like, uh, I don't know how to express it, but how does everything work today in my body? Like yeah. the blood pressure and Correct. blood sugar and everything. Uh, and then you compare them. And if you have activated a gene, mm -hmm. let's say I can carry a gene. Yeah, for example, what we told about uh, your cholesterol. cholesterol. Yeah. yeah, that uh, Mia is uh, carrying a gene mm -hmm. uh, where she has a risk mm -hmm. of getting uh, high levels mm -hmm. in her body. But today she is having low levels mm -hmm. thanks to her lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, but when someone has activated a gene, that could be if Mia had lived a totally different life. Yeah, very meat-based uh, mm -hmm. diet. Meet Mia 25. <laughs> yeah, years old. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy you didn't activate it. A lot of it. french fries, tequila <laughs> and yeah. eggs. We actually had a very, very interesting session. Sorry to just yeah, no. side <laughs> off here, but we had... You girls, it was, it's funny because lots of my clients, I would say, don't have uh, an intuition. Now we're going to talk a little bit going from the hardcore politics and science to a little bit more holistical. But lots of clients don't have, um, they don't listen to their bodies anymore. I, I think they're very stressed or or preoccupied with other things, but they forget to actually be in, have that intuition to yourself and to mm. your body and how it's reacting to certain foods or, or, or situations in any way in life, you know. Mm. I think that's a public disease today. Yeah. I think it goes for uh, all of us. I definitely think you girls had it, you know, and, and it was interesting to see that what I saw in the genetic reports for 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 both of you, especially one of you, uh, was very much the changes that you had already done and that you se said, well, I felt I didn't digest this well. I felt exactly. something wasn't right that with was this me. food. Yeah. Mm. And so you had actually done everything accordingly to your genes, you know, yeah, before know. even knowing. Yeah. Your picture. You're so clever. No, I'm a psychic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think I'm in contact with my body. <laughs> but a lot of people obviously don't have that connection, and and no. it's but and but that I mean that change of um, uh, life that lifestyle change. It was after I've done some changes mm. that I actually started to feel what was right and wrong mm. for my body because mm. I didn't feel it when I was 25 living mm. on the French fries tequila mm. diet. Mm. So this was after like, you know, doing some small changes. Yeah. I all of a sudden started to feel what my body yeah. um, uh, went stronger yeah. from. So there's obviously a very strong connection with the with the gut and the neurotransmitters, so our brain, how we how we react. That's mm. actually what I'm doing my my postdoc in my study, my research currently is on gut hormones and how we, they are being released uh, as a reaction to the food that we're eating, mm. and then they signal up to our brain saying if we're satisfied, if we're full, if we're more hungry, and and what actually is going on. Mm. So they are controlling that, you know, mm. and that's a, a connection a lot of people don't feel today to be honest no. because um, lots of these have been destroyed by, by very poor diets or, or stress or other mm. risk factors Slip stressa via en trång och kaotisk butik efter jobbet Handla från mat.se och få hem det till dörren istället Leverans alla dagar i veckan och leverans samma dag Mat.se har ett stort ekologiskt utbud och dessutom en vegan butik. Nya kunder får 200 kronor i rabatt med koden FOODFARMACY. But going back to your initial question, mm. which was about, remind me, was it... No, the man. No, who I had was talking about uh, for when you because you when we talked about this forty-five-year-old man, mm -hmm. we talked about mm -hmm. that he had activated mm -hmm. some genes, and then I just wanted to uh, explain for the listener that you can have genes, and then I took me as an example because I thought this was a very good example of mm -hmm. having these mm -hmm. uh, uh, vulnerability, but 
thanks to the lifestyle, she hasn't activated yeah. her genes. Exactly. But now we're talking about this man, yeah. Mia's age almost, mm. that actually had activated. Yet, Lina. Mm. Still three more <laughs> years to go. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but what changes did you prescribe? What, yeah, what did you prescribe yeah, to him? So I, as I said, I put most of my patient on an intervention. So I'm a very, I'm a, I'm a scientist and I will always be that. So every time I'm in the clinic, I think very much how we would do in a lab with these clinical studies. So I put them on an intervention diet for two months. And actually this can be done more stricter in three weeks because we did that in Marveya, but mm-hmm. I'll go back to that one afterwards. So I do a two months intervention diet and... And obviously the first thing we remove is the saturated fats. So the saturated fats is is all fat that comes from a four-legged animal, I always say. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is your butter, your your meat, your sausages, your, your cut ham, um, your cream, full-fat yogurts. So these we know, saturated fat converts into LDL cholesterols in the blood. And the LDL cholesterol is the bad cholesterol that is clogging up your arteries. So that is really the worst kind. Whereas the HDL cholesterol is the good cholesterol, and that's actually the cholesterol that is equals to almost the soap or the lemon juice to get rid of the the bad cholesterol in the blood. So, what get? How do we get higher good cholesterol, HDL cholesterol? That we know for a fact is the mono and polyunsaturated fats. So these are your olive oil, your nuts, your seeds, your your omega free fatty acids as well from the fish. Um, these are the ones that sort of help contribute to that. But the first thing we do is remove the saturated fat. So mm-hmm. I allow my clients twice per week to have something from a four-legged animals. Mm-hmm. And I'll let them have that because most of the guys would uh, would not come back otherwise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I try to make it... It a, would be touch, uh, too big of a change for yes, them. Yes, I make realistic. But these are guys that comes in and have it almost on a daily basis or even five times a week, they would have some kind of meat and... Mm-hmm. And thinking, but the only meat that's bad for me is the, either the, the steak or the red meat, you know, not knowing that actually sliced ham or things like that, that's not mm-hmm. fat, that, that fatty, are still detrimental, you know, and, or not knowing that yogurt is going to contribute to that. So I take away this and I put in what I call Mediterranean diet. Mm. Um, and that's because that's one of the diets that showed the most um, good results in research. And... Um, Additionally to that, obviously, fruit and vegetables is a minimum of 600 grams. So I give them gram sizes for everything they have to do. So I give them this diet. Mi- sorry for interrupting, but minimum 600 grams. So minimum four to five hundred. Yeah, minimum yeah. four to five hundred you know, grams of vegetables. Sorry for, but in Sweden we have the limit, the lowest limit of what you should have every day in greens is 500 grams, but the majority they don't even have 500 grams they don't even have the the lower limits so it's uh, it's very sad you know i i i and i always try to explain to people what happens to your digestive system what happens to your heart what happens to your cell to your blood when you don't eat these foods and you eat these other foods so our system is by evolution is not meant we don't have big teeth we're not we don't come from lions and tigers we're not meant to have this so that means we don't have the intestine the stomach to to break down these nutrients so that's why we see correlations with meat colon cancer heart attacks high blood pressure and all these and this is why in the past many years it's just been going drastically up you know Mm. because people are just escalating with their diet and diet quality but yeah so i put them on a I wouldn't say that strict because we're going to go back to this very strict diet that I mm-hmm. did in Marbella, the vegan 22-day challenge. Mm-hmm. So they diety allow fish and I allow uh, small quantities of red meat So, in a weekly basis. And even with that, which is what I guess the three of us would say is a normal, a normal diet. diet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's hard for them. Yeah, but mm-hmm. even that we see in just two months, perfect levels. Mm. This is such a good news. I I just must say, because I think that maybe there is someone listening who thinks that you're a strict vegan, Mm. but actually you're not. not. And you're having coffee and you're having wine. And I just must say that because... I uh, love hearing that people are having coffee. Yeah, but (laughs) the thing is that we meet people very often and they think that we are like, um, you know, really strict vegans. Mm. 
but we say but we are nothing no. we are just normal people we have everything but the majority of what we have is uh, is vegetables and Green greens fruits, yeah. but then we could have everything um it's about being good i always say it's about being good monday to friday yeah. and then you relax in your weekends yeah, yeah that's very good yeah. but i'm so happy so that actually 75 percent uh, of the patients i guess we are belongs to the 25 percent <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah uh, they had uh, some sort of a problem mm-hmm. and, metabolically yeah yeah and uh, the majority of them there was only all except one or every one of these yeah. except one yeah. person uh, actually in two months by changing their food avoid medication their, yeah avoid medication that's wonderful news but that person that you didn't manage to what uh what that because of lack of motivation or absolutely not this client was doing everything right and Mm -hmm. it's very devastating for me to see um Mm -hmm. but this happens um and it is what we call um and this is one of the genes that actually tested for in that study i told you with the babies they were testing Mm -hmm. so this is a gene that we know is very very dominant very difficult to uh, modify deactivate Mm -hmm. as such um, so it's almost like you're born with it and it will activate itself. Oh. Um, and that's why that's one that should always be tested for. Because we and, should... and what is that? It's it's, a, it's called familiar hyperglycemia. Um, no, familiar hypercholesterolemia. And it is really, it's, it's, a, it's a group of genes that we know are very, very dominant. And it hits very few i can't remember the percent of the sack but uh, we're but talking a low percentage. very low percentage like two to five or even less than that will have this but it is a gene that almost controls your bad cholesterol the ldl cholesterol that we're talking about to be high and m- most of these will need some kind of medication but it is such a small percentage um, but if these people uh when they were babies if they were tested could this have been prevented? Then? So that is why this study is being done now. Yeah. So this, this is, is why. So, so we'll know in wow. we'll know in the next fifteen years when the follow up results are coming. You know, mm. that's why this is still a very emerging area. You know, so once those results comes out, I think that will more and more results are coming out every day. To be honest, all you mm. have to do is Google uh, genetics and whatever disease you're looking for, and you see all these academia um, academic research. Uh, papers coming out you know and and these are solid evidence you know Mm. but unfortunately it does take a little bit time before we educate the doctors in the clinics and and they get to apply it as well in the in the clinic Mm. i just want to go back to school again and uh, (laughs) become a dna consultant i always say to the to the my clients that you are in for a a consultation but also for educational lessons because I sit with them for almost two hours Mm -hmm. and really explain everything in details because I believe knowledge is key education is key Um, and if they can tell two of their friends what they did and what happened to them then I'm hoping that other people are gonna open their eyes and think you know what I'm not gonna I'm going to try this diet before yeah. trying medication and mm. see what happens. Mm. I must ask you because we we've been talking about you you um prescribe food but what's your view on uh, supplements? Mixed. Mm. Mixed. So I obviously spent a few years in Africa and I saw it was needed there, you know, mm. and I I worked many years in a hospital and I applied it there as well. So there are times where we know the levels are so low mm-hmm. because they're gone undetected for a long time where it is difficult to to get the levels up again with food solely. And I always like to see the levels at an ideal level. And so when sometimes I prescribe a supplement for, for two months mm-hmm. for getting up to a, a level that I know we can then maintain with a diet. But mm-hmm. I would always say food first supplement second mm. um so that all depends and i i i measure a group of these in in the session because i think they're the some of the most important ones and some of the ones that we commonly see deficient like vitamin d for example mm. which is very difficult to get uh, during the winter period and especially if you 
you're not a big fish eater. Mm. So lots of my Scandinavian clinic, uh, clients, I would actually tell them, you may need to take a maintenance dose during the winter period mm. if you're not going to make these changes mm. I'm telling you to do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm mixed messages, but I have to say, and I tell all my clients, because obviously I have a lot of clients coming in and they take all these cocktails of pills. And I say always, you are so careful with buying organic and and not eating this and not eating that. And you should be equally, if not more careful with what kind of supplements that you buy, mm. because it's a big unregulated market out mm. there. So that means I believe in the US alone, they have over 90,000 different brands of supplements and it is completely unregulated. So that means the FDA, the Food and Drug uh, Administration are not administrating any of this. And many studies came out that half of them were either rice flowers or wow. it contained, like let's take the fish oil, for example. We saw that there was some studies showing that certain fish oil supplements were actually uh, linked with higher prostate cancer and that's because some of the fish they had extracted these fish oils from were very toxic and the way they'd been farmed and things like that so always be careful when you pick up a supplement from the shelf and ask ask a health professional um, if possible Mm. Don't if spend too much money on it if it's not necessary because they are as so well, expensive. As well. So don't, don't take them if you don't need them, first of all. Mm. And that's when food first, supplement second. And and thirdly, if you are going to take something, have it checked by a health professional or really do your own research very, very well. Mm. And This is picky. very interesting because uh, I'm taking you as an example all the time. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, we, it's very common to read that we lack magnesium yeah. uh, in our part of mm -hmm. the world mm -hmm. due to a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. But um, so um, uh, Mia was having um, a very good supplement of um, uh, magnesium. Yeah, the facility in our shop. Yeah, I had, but then um, you were tested. You know, uh, multimineral. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, you had high levels of magnesium. Yeah, I had two high mm. levels of magnesium. Yeah, yeah. And, and is that common? Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not. But that you are. You had the perfect diet, and that was why. So you were really getting everything from your diet. Okay. And I had another lady who had very high vitamin E levels, and uh, and she wasn't even taking supplements. Mm. You know. Um, So it is really possible to to eat yourself to to having enough of these nutrients, and I would say always, if you have a good diet, and what is a good diet at all, uh, very subjective. But if you have following the the upper levels of the recommendations of a, of a diet in in your country, then you should not really be taking these supplement unless. Again, this is when the clinic. I'm so I'm a clinical dietitian, and that means. What is your clinical status at that time? Are you pregnant? Are you breastfeeding? Are you sick? Um, have you just undergone uh, chemotherapy? Or do you have a liver disease or kidney disease? These are organs and clinical status of your body that is very, very important. And that plays a huge role in metabolizing these vitamins. So how we are utilizing them and where are our requirements at that point in our life. Mm. So in those points, uh, certain critical circumstances, you may have a much higher recommendation or need for it. So, um, but if you are healthy and well and eating a good diet, I would always say our diet should be able to provide us with almost everything. But that's always about nowadays, the food quality is obviously going down, you know, and, and we know that. So it is important to eat seasonal and uh, locally produced because if you're eating your five a day or your fruit and vegetables from things that are being sent from Chile and been um, so you're sitting there with your blueberries in the in the winter you know thinking you're doing yourself a big favor and are getting a lot of antioxidants and vitamin C you're really not because mm. these comes from countries where they've been a stored for a very very long time and they have maybe not even been plucked in season and they've been sprayed down with a lot of chemicals to make it all the way to to stockholm mm. so really do yourself a favor have an apple instead yeah true <laughs> instead of the the good blueberries that you mm. think you're having true that was um a good uh Summary, yeah, <laughs> I think. Mm. So uh, thank you, Rebecca, for uh, coming here. 
Thank you for having and, me. And uh, I hope you will uh, come again this time. Absolutely. Autumn. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Så vi avslutar här med alla lyssnare och hoppas att ni har uppskattat det här samtalet med Rebecka. Och vi ses nästa vecka igen, eller hur? Det gör vi såklart. Och vill man komma i kontakt med Rebecka så kan ju Sebbe avsluta med att ge hennes kontaktuppgifter tycker jag. Ja. Herregud vad spännande det här var. Tack Rebecka. Rebecka kan ni nå på hennes mail re@executivehealth.es. Food Pharmacy-podden med Mia, Klase och Lina Nertby tackar för sig för denna gång. Och jag som har klippt och skrivit musik heter Sebastian Ring. Om det nu ens är möjligt att ni inte har besökt vår blogg så kan ni hitta den på foodpharmacy.se. Vi finns även på Instagram under namnet food_pharmacy. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.